it has been a pretty heavy week. Um, and for, you know, for myself, I'm sure for you guys, for Los Angeles, for this country and this world, I think we, we notice that there's just so much pain. There, there's a lot of grief happening and anger, frustration. Um, and people are just, I'm not sure, just, they're just, they might just be uncertain. They're, they might be confused. And and I want to take some time just to let you know that if you're grieving over what's happening this past this past week, um, you know I'm I'm right there with you. My heart has been heavy all week. I've been praying a lot. I've been crying to God, and and I made a list of things that I've been crying to God about. And I, I just want to share them with you. You know, I've been crying to God about the the injustice that's happened. Right. Then just as has happened over the murder of George Floyd, I, I've been crying out to God about the racism and depression of and the oppression of blacks and other minority groups. And when we see that that oppression just continues to plague our country and crying over policemen who now they fear for their lives. And and because of that fear, they they, they might respond violently and. And who knows just what's going on in their hearts. I'm I'm crying over the riots and the looting that's causing even more fear in an already tense situation. Crying over small business owners who lost so much already during the pandemic and now they have to face this. I'm crying over frontline responders. Frontline responders who see the situation only has a potential second wave of infections. I can't imagine what they might be going through. I'm crying over political leaders who are caught in the middle, who are struggling to keep the peace and yet still support, you know, what's being, what's being protested. I'm crying over churches who seem divided over these issues and, and is threatening the unity of the body. And there's just so much to process here, so much to cry about, so much pray for and and I myself am still processing I'm still learning I'm still trying to take the time to listen well and and to think through all the stuff that's happening and I I pray that you are too and and you know it, it really serves as a reminder that we have a lot of room to grow in our faith we have a lot of room to grow in our love for other people and our compassion for others and so if you're feeling confused if you're feeling saddened over the situation that's okay. It's okay to grieve to God. It's okay to cry out to Him. And in the midst of seeing the depravity of man, in the midst of seeing the failure of the government, the justice system, in the midst of crying for reform, I want to remind you guys that God remains good. That is the one constant we can always depend upon. God remains just. God remains as the only one who can redeem us from all these sins. Matthew chapter five, verse nine tells us, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. And so let us be peacemakers. Let us be peacemakers. And what that means is that we don't stand out to the side and watch the world burn. We don't, you know, just become innocent bystanders. We, it means we get our hands dirty. It means we engage with every side. We listen to their pain. We listen to their anger. We listen to their frustration. And we engage with them to help, you know, our own limited minds to understand what they might be going through. And we engage with them to help them see that there is hope. There is people who care. There is compassion to be found. But most of all, we engage with them to show them that there is great hope to be found in the gospel. And so my friends, IT, I I pray that this is not a time to be timid. But I pray that this is a time for us to demonstrate, to present the truth of God gloriously, graciously, and compassionately. So I just want to spend some time talking about this. I also want to spend a time to talk about church reopening. Uh, I want to, you know, if you guys are wondering what we're doing, um, you guys got the survey, please fill that out. We would love to hear from you. 
Um, as you know, there are some churches who have reopened, and we are closely monitoring, you know, how they're doing and, and kind of what's how they're doing things and what logistics have they implemented and things like that. And, and we ourselves at FCBC, we're taking this process really slowly. We're taking it carefully, wisely. Um, we want to we, we want to make sure we reopen well, right? And in a way that's both safe, in a way that's also, you know, engaging and, and, and um, encouraging for you guys, a way that, um, that it, it just means something, right? Um, and, and moreover, I, I think we have to think about reopening, not just based on our desires, but based on what the entire church wants. And so the pastoral staff, we're not just, we're not just trying to reopen on our own. We are, you know, consulting, you know, people in our church who are in the medical field. We're consulting our legal representatives. We're consulting the technology teams to figure out, you know, the live stream stuff. And, and so this is a church-wide effort to reopen. And, and we will do this together. We will do this as one body, united in Christ. And so if you have any opinions or any comments, any questions, concerns about this whole reopening process, um, you can come talk to me. Um, you can let, let me know what, what you have, uh, any questions you might have. And, but I, I do want to ask you to continue praying for us that, you know, as we continue to lead the church through this, it will, we'll do it wisely. Um, and so there's a few things I just want to say to you guys before I get into my sermon because, you know, my sermon isn't really going to talk upon these topics. And I want to spend some time, especially what's been going on these past two weeks, just to really address um, in a small way what's going on. If you have any questions about, you know, some of the riots or protests, if you have any questions about um, reopening and pandemic, um, you can always come talk to me. Uh, just go ahead and message me, email me. I'm available for you guys, and I, I want to be able to help you guys walk through all this together. Um, it's hard that we can't meet each other at church, um, but that doesn't mean that I'm not available for you guys. On a happier note, yesterday was a pretty good day for me. Not only did I learn that NBA is returning, but I also found out that Again, Korean barbecue is open for dining, so I can't wait to Praise go. Praise God! Sorry. <laughs> All, right. All right. With that, let me go ahead and lift up, lift, lift us up in a word of prayer, and then I'll go ahead and begin our message. Father, we come before you right now, and we ask, Lord, for your guidance. Lord, it is so difficult, so difficult to see what's going on in this world and to understand Lord what what we should do how should we react God I pray I pray Lord that we will learn to be patient for you but Lord I, I want to spend some time just lifting up prayers to you for our country our cities Lord, there is so much pain going on. And it's and it's pain that many of us we we might just not understand. Lord, you you came down to earth to understand what we go through as sinful human beings, as limited human beings. God, may we demonstrate that same compassion and love towards others by sitting down with them and listening to them, by walking with them, caring for them. Lord, I pray for their pain. I pray, Lord, that they may find healing. I pray, Lord, that they may find resolution. I pray, Lord, they may find peace. God, most of all, I pray they find hope and joy in you. And so, Lord, I pray then that this time will be a time where the church will be united for the gospel. And I pray, Lord, that we will not be shy. We will not hide away, but we will be emboldened to go forth with love, with gentleness, with mercy, to proclaim your truth, to show that there is a God and he cares and God is just God is good God is love 
And so, Lord, I, I pray that these truths will be deeply ingrained in us and that, God, we will drink from the fountain of your love. Lord, be with us during this time. Help us, Lord, keep us safe. Keep us, Lord, healthy. Be with those who are struggling. Be with those who are fearful. Be with those who are anxious, who are worried. God, there is so much hope to be found in you. May we cling to that. May we proclaim that. May we live that out. Be with us tonight. May we continue to encourage one another. Even when we can't see each other in person, I pray, Father, that even online, we may be an encouragement to one another. So, Lord, let your word continue to be our foundation. May we continue then to go to you for all things. Speak, Lord, from your word tonight. Let us hear what you have to say to us. And let us be encouraged that you, Lord, in the midst of these uncertain times, are our rock and our salvation. Pray all this in your name. Amen. All right. Let me go and share my screen. All right, so tonight we are going to be looking and continuing our in our series through First Thessalonians, and in First Thessalonians, here we're going to be encountering Paul, who has been spending a lot of time just sharing his heart to to the Thessalonians. He's been sharing his heart, how he longs for them, and 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 just imagine. Like, how will you feel when, when you are away from someone for a long time, someone you care about, someone who you're close to, maybe it's a childhood friend or a family member who moved away and, and you only see each other during maybe the holidays or once every several years. And, and all of a sudden, you get a letter from them. You get an email from them. What, what happens in your heart? Do you, do you jump for joy? You know, before the wonders of technology, people had to wait for days, weeks sometimes, before they hear back from their correspondents. If pen pals, that's when people used to write letters to each other, pen pals used to do it, and they do it once or twice a month. And, and every time when that letter came back, it, it, there would be excitement. I mean... Do you guys get excited getting the mail anymore? I, I, I think most of us, we just, when we get the mail, we just expect either junk mail or bills. Just imagine what it's like to actually get a letter in the mail and how it's addressed to you and it's handwritten. And, and you notice that it's from a close friend of yours. You see Paul here, Paul, he, when he sent Timothy back to Thessalonica, I can imagine him just pacing back and forth, waiting day and night for Timothy to return. He, he was probably filled with so much concern. And he was probably anticipating Timothy's return. He probably looking out to the horizon, hoping for, for him to show up. We know that Paul cared for the Thessalonians. We know that he missed them and he was worried about them. And, and he was probably filled with so much angst just waiting for Timothy's return. And then when that day arrived, when Timothy finally returned, he returned with great news. Great news about the church. That the church was still faithful to the gospel. That the church remained strong in their faith. I mean, there's nothing sweeter to a pastor's ears than to hear that his flock has been faithful. As flock has remained true to God. Let us then open our Bibles. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. Let us read Paul's reaction to Timothy's report here. 1 Timothy, or 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 3, verse 6. 
This is the word of God. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remembered us kindly and longed to see us as we longed to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. We see here Paul was ecstatic. Right up to this point, Paul in his letter has been opening up his heart to them. He remembers the Thessalonians fondly. He longs to see them face to face, and he desires to encourage them. And then, when Timothy returns, he finds out that the feelings are mutual. That all that he wanted for them, the Thessalonians reciprocated those things back to him. They remember Paul fondly. They remember him, Silas, and Timothy. They remember their ministry. They remember their instructions. And they long to see him, them as well. And their faithfulness encourages Paul greatly. What we see here is how the body of Christ truly is united in heart and one faith. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26, Paul writes, If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And what we see here is that your personal faithfulness to God is important, not just for your, not just for your personal life, but also for the rest of the body of Christ. No one experiences the Christian walk alone. We are all united as one. And what, how one of us is doing in our walks impacts the other. And tonight, we will then take a look at two positive effects of how your testimony impacts the body of Christ. And I'm not just talking about your salvation testimony. I'm talking about your testimony of faith, stories from your walk with God. This is, you know, times when you've shared with your friend the gospel. This is times when you have helped someone who has been in need. These are times when you've been on short-term mission trip and you come back and you give your testimony from that. This is times when you had to face maybe rough times in your life and you were enduring your faithfulness. Maybe you were going through a rough family life. Maybe you were facing divorce amongst your parents or just hardships oppression from other people. This is, these are all testimonies of faith. And these testimonies, these testimonies are greatly, greatly encouraging, greatly impactful to the rest of the body. We are all united here together in our walks. And so the first thing that we see here is that your testimony brings encouragement. Your testimony brings encouragement, the positive effect of encouragement. Paul writes this in verse seven, take a look. In verse seven, he says, we have been comforted about you through your faith. The word here for comfort is the Greek word parakaleo. Parakaleo, which means to encourage or to exhort. Though the word is used in still courage in another person. And Paul actually uses this word earlier in this chapter. If you look back at chapter 3, verse 2, he says, We sent Timothy, and you jumped in, he said, We sent Timothy to establish and exhort you in your faith. To establish and exhort you, palakaleo, in your faith. You see here, Paul sent Timothy in hopes to instill courage in them so that they may endure in their faith. And here in verse 7, 
here in verse 7, the ESV and NSV translate this to the word comforted, which is a good translation. It's a legitimate translation. Because to bring comfort to someone is to encourage them during times of need, is to give them strength or to instill courage in them that will bring peace to your hearts. And we find here that though Paul sent Timothy to encourage the Thessalonian church, instead, it was the Thessalonians who comforted and encouraged Paul in his faith. And so let's take a deeper look into how the Thessalonians encouraged Paul. We see first that there is this encouragement by faithfulness. Paul is encouraged by their faithfulness. In verse 6, we, we read here that Timothy brought good news. Good news. This, this word for good news is the same Greek word for the gospel. We're talking about good news. But this good news here that Timothy brought back wasn't the gospel itself, but it was the lasting effect of the gospel. It is a testimony of the Thessalonians' faith and love. Paul here, he was so concerned with them, and when Timothy came back, those concerns were gone. He finds out that God is faithful. He finds out that God has indeed brought security to your faith, that God has kept them strong. There is, there is so so much to be encouraged by here. When, when a pastor hears that their flock is standing strong, they're reminded that God indeed is faithful. They're reminded that God, God is strong and he has kept these believers from falling to temptation. Think about how we ourselves are encouraged when we hear about someone we care about, when we hear about someone we may have shared the faith with and they have been and they have been faithful since then. And that every time they face trials because you know when we're Christians we're gonna face trials, every time they were tempted, they may have failed here and there, but in the end they've grown in their faithfulness. How encouraged are we when we hear those kind of testimonies? Think for instance, how we listen to short-term mission trips and the testimonies from, from the people who went on these trips. I mean, many times, and I've been there with you, sometimes we, we actually dread these testimonies because it sounds like the same thing over and over again, right? And, and I think we have to wonder about it sometimes. Why, why don't mission testimonies encourage us more? Why don't they encourage us the way that Timothy's report here to Paul encourages him? And, and I want to challenge us to, to think about these think about these testimonies. Whether you're giving one or hearing one, how are you thinking about what these testimonies are about? Are they about how the local people people are they about how they have been enduring their faith do you hear how encouraging it is that they are lasting through trials difficulties within their own culture within their own cities within their own lives and do you hear within all that how God though we cannot be there to walk with them God continues to walk with them are you encouraged to see how faithful God is in these testimonies how then, how then do we give these testimonies? How do we listen to these testimonies? But all in all, I want us to remember that we are always encouraged when we are listening to each other's testimonies of faith. The second way that Paul here is encouraged is he's encouraged by their remembrance of him, Silas, and Timothy. They're remembering their pastors. Paul spent all of chapter 2, he, all of chapter 2 reminding the Thessalonians about his labor, about how he labored night and day for the gospel. To, he, he spent all of chapter 2 reminding them that they were called by God, that they accepted this as God's word. And he was worried. He was worried that when he left, 
when he left, when he was forced to leave, that 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 there will be people who will persecute the church. There will be people who will lead them away from the faith. There will be people who will lie to them and deceive them. But when Paul received the news that the Thessalonian church remembered Paul, remembered Paul not natively, but remembered them fondly, positively, that they did not forget their love for them. They did not forget their labor of the gospel. They remember Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and they long to see them. We see here again, the feeling is mutual. The love here is reciprocated. And what we're reminded here, we're reminded here is that sometimes pastors need encouragement. Your disciples, your mentors need encouragement. They need encouragement from you. How do you interact with your pastors and your disciples, your mentors in your life? For instance, when someone, when a pastor preaches a good sermon or a bad sermon, do you do you go up there and thank them? But even you're even when you're thanking them, is that all you say? Do you just say thank you, pastor? Sometimes, I'm just being honest here, you know, after we preach, sometimes what, what really encourages us is we're encouraged when you're thanking us, but sometimes what really does help us is when we know you remember the message. When God's word has planted a seed in your heart and it stays there and encourages you that you're not really thanking us, but you're really thanking God. What encourages the pastor sometimes is, is if you can tell them exactly how the sermon has encouraged you in your walks. Where you remember, you remember the words that were spoken to you. And, and what happens there is that as we hear this, we're also reminded, the pastor is reminded, that God works mightily through his own word. Now, this is not just me saying I want your encouragement. I'm just saying that this is sometimes the honest truth about how our hearts work. We, the pastors need encouragement as well. Thirdly here, Paul is encouraged by their endurance in the faith. In verse 8, in verse 8, we see here he says, For now we live. If you are standing fast in the Lord. Now, Paul here, he's he's using imagery to to describe his emotional reaction. Right? He's He's like saying, I can't live without basketball. Or I can't live without hot Cheetos. There's this... He's not talking, he's not speaking here literally, he's speaking in a way that describes how deeply ingrained his joy is tied with their faithfulness and their endurance. And he is overjoyed, he is encouraged to hear about their steadfast faith before God. And we have to keep in mind here that the joy here Paul is expressing. It's not just that Thessalonians are like grinding it out and gritting their teeth to endure their suffering. We have to remember that back in chapter 3, verse 5, Paul, Paul fears that they will be tempted, that they'll be falling into sin. The joy here is that they remain faithful in obedience to the Lord. It's a reminder. It's a reminder that God here is working to protect them, protect them from the devil, protect them from the tempter, protect them from this world. I mean, we we understand how this might have, how this might feel. If you've ever tutored someone, for instance, when you're tutoring, say you're tutoring a child for an upcoming test, and you sit with them for days after days, hours after hours, and you're teaching them. 
and you're teaching them so that when the time comes, when that test arrives, they may endure through it. And, and just imagine the pride and joy you feel when that child, that student of yours, comes to you afterwards with a passing grade. It just shows you that your labor was not in vain. And Paul here then is, is encouraged by the testimony's endurance through their trials and their temptation. That is his pride and joy. It's a reminder here that God, God here keeps us to the end that God has a promise that that God who began a good work in you will bring it to completion that's a great promise that we can depend upon and to be reminded by that promise to see that promise play out is so encouraging and so what we what we see here in this first point is that your testimony deepens the faith of the church. Your testimony deepens the faith of the church. It helps us walk our lives with joy. In transit, when we look at the Thessalonians' faith here, let their faith be an encouragement to you as well. There's this theme that runs through this letter, a minor theme. It's a theme of Christian imitation. There's the examples of faith. And so if you turn back and you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 to 7, we see here, Paul writes, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with, with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. We see here that first it was Paul says Timothy being an example to the Thessalonians and then the Thessalonians, their faith being an example for the rest of the churches in the area. There's this small theme here of imitation, Christian imitation. And we see this example of faith. If you look later at chapter 2, verse 14, we see here, the imitation of faith flipped around. It says, For you, brothers of Thessalonians, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. And so what we get here is that the Thessalonians were also imitators of other churches. Other churches, when they stood fast in the word of God in face of opposition by their own countrymen. We see here that faith encourages deeper faith. We stand united in this way. We are reminded that we are all we share the same faith. That we are all united in one faith. That we are not on our own, but we are part of an entire body of Christ. And and keep in mind here that when we talk again about encouragement, we're talking not just about a feel-good story. We're not just feeling good when we hear a good testimony of faith, encouragement here is to instill courage. In other words, encouragement embolden us to take actions of faith. We don't need encouragement just to feel better about our situations. We need encouragement to obey God in every situation. Take for example, we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 4, we get this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts Paracaleo, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort Paracaleo again, we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. We see here that our encouragement should drive us to action so that we can encourage others. Let me tell you one of the great encouragements that's been, that I've been encouraged by during this pandemic is is how the different local churches in this area, the, the local churches in there, how we've been communicating with one another. 
The local pastors here have been getting on calls weekly. I mean, we're not there all the time, but just there's been consistent discussions about how to minister and shepherd our respective churches during these times of uncertainty. And now that reopening churches are legal, we're talking all together again. When should we do it? What's the right time? What's the where's the wisdom around all this? And it's such a great encouragement that we can all try to do this together. That we're all walk. We're all asking each other questions, giving each other wisdom, talking, processing through how to do this in a way that glorifies God. We see here that the unity of the church strengthens our individual walk and vice versa. I mean, think for a moment right now, just how uncertain times are and how necessary it is for us to be united in faith. I mean, there's division going on throughout this country and and people are battling on different fronts, pushing different agendas. And many times it seems like the church can be divided my friends, we need the church to be united together. And so what can you do to, to help others during this time? You can reach out. Reach out to a fellow brother and sister. Reach out to a fellow brother and sister in Christ who may be hurting from past injustice, past racism, past oppressions. And take the time to listen to them. Listen to their testimonies. Listen to how hard it is for them to remain faithful in their walks. And be encouraged by their faith. Be encouraged by their strength. And just this, this whole aspect of listening not only encourages you, but it also encourages them. Finally, let me ask you to look at your own testimony, to look at your own life, to look at your own walks and ask yourself, is your faith an example for others to follow? Are you walking with Christ in such a way that brings encouragement to the rest of the church? Let us strive together, encouraging one another to deeper faith. The second way your testimonies can bring a positive impact to the church is that your testimony can bring joy. Testimony can bring joy. Paul here writes, starting verse 9, he says, For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before God? Now, that was the ESV. The NASB NASB actually has a better translation. It says, for all the joy with which we rejoice. So the word joy here is used twice to emphasize just how much joy Paul has for their testimony. There is something about hearing people's faithfulness, hearing people's testimonies that brings joy to the soul. It's a blessing. Not just for yourself, but for the entire church. We rejoice when we hear faithfulness. And there are two areas here that Paul rejoices in. We see here first that Paul rejoices in thanksgiving. He asks a question here, and his question here is rhetorical. What thanksgiving can we return to God for you? He's expressing an exasperated feeling of delight. I mean, just consider already how Paul, already in this letter, mentions twice of how thankful he is to God. And we compare this to all his other letters in the New Testament. You'll see that his beginning introduction of Thanksgiving and other letters are significantly shorter. Here, it spans for three whole chapters. He begins his letter in chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse, verses 2 to 3. We give thanks to God always for you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. We, we see here Paul is thankful to God for the testimony's example of faith, love, and hope, the three virtues of Christianity. 
Paul is overjoyed to hear about their spiritual growth. And that joy then turns into thanksgiving. Turns into thanksgiving to God who has kept them faithful. And at the end of the day, it's always about God, right? Our faithfulness produces joy, which leads to thanksgiving to God because it is God who works in our hearts to keep us faithful. This is what we see again in chapter 2, verse 13. Paul here gives thanks to God again. We also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of man, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. You see here, Paul is constantly thankful to God for their faithfulness to him. And we see along with thanksgiving, Paul also rejoices in prayer. He prays constantly. It says here, night and day, he prays for the Thessalonians. Prays to see them again. Prays to supply what is lacking in their faith. Now, Paul here uses the phrase night and day before. Back in chapter 2, verse 9, Paul says, Paul says, you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day. So Paul here, when he was with them, he was working for them, laboring physically for them, night and day, not to be a burden for them. And now that he's away, Paul still labors for them night and day by praying for them. Note here Paul's prayer requests. Paul prays wishing to see them face to face so that he can supply what is lacking in their faith. What, what Paul here is saying is that he wants to finish teaching them. He wants to finish teaching them the doctrinal implication of their salvation. See, Paul here recognizes that the Great Commission isn't done. The Great Commission consists, consists of going, baptizing, and teaching. And he's not done teaching them. Right, Paul had, was forced to leave Thessalonica early, preemptively. He, he didn't stay as long as he wanted to. He wasn't able to finish his teaching. So that's why he was so worried for them. That's why he was so concerned. Because he was afraid they weren't equipped well enough to face the trials and temptations they were going to face. But to hear then, again, to hear Timothy's encouraging report, to hear their testimony of faith, just imagine the relief and joy Paul must have felt. That he must have felt like he did not finish his task. And now he hears that God has answered his prayers for the Thessalonians. That God has kept them safe, secure in their faith. This does not mean the Thessalonians miraculously learned everything that they need to know. I mean, one of the reasons Paul here writes this letter is to finish his teaching, to finish his instructions. And we'll see that starting in chapter 4. But in the meantime, Paul is extremely thankful that God has kept the Thessalonians' faith steady and secure. And so what we can see here, what we can see here is that your testimony reminds church, calls us all to pray and to obey God. You see, we can learn something here from Paul about prayer and thanksgiving. Paul prays day and night for Thessalonians and for days, for days as he prayed, he had no idea how the Thessalonians were doing. He didn't know if God was listening to his prayers. I mean, how often do we get discouraged when we go through two whole days without hearing back? whether or not God is listening to us. Yet Paul kept laboring for a testimonies in prayer, trusting fully in the sovereign grace of God. And when Timothy came back with good news, man, the fruit of Paul's labor was so much greater. In other words, Paul's joy and thanksgiving towards God are measured by his labor of prayer. The more you pray, the more your heart is invested in the persons you're praying for. The more 
the more you pray, the more that person who you're praying for is imprinted upon your mind. The more you pray, the more you're emboldened to take action, to reach out and follow up with that person. What we see here is that not only should we pray for each other more, but as we pray for each other more, it should remind us to take action. It should remind us to consider reaching out to, to the person we're praying for, to labor for them in such a way that we're not just praying for them, but we want to find out how they're doing. I mean, that's why Paul sent Timothy back, right? We, we need to not only just pray for her, we need to follow up with one another as well. And especially in times like today, we, we should be thinking about one another and, and we need to do more to sometimes than just pray generally. We need to go out and spend time to listen to one another to, to think through how are how are we doing? How is each one of us doing during this time when when the world just seems like it's going chaotic? How are we doing? All of us must be reacting, processing all this in some way or form. How can how then can we help each other process what's going on? Through these confusing times perhaps we can reach out pray for one another but yet also take the time to search the scriptures together just to see what the scripture have to teach us that will supply what is lacking in our own Christian worldview let us continue to encourage one another in this way to encourage one another so that when we hear then about how we have been faithful, oh man, those, that joy that comes from that will be so much greater. So then, what we see here with our big idea, the big idea tonight is that your testimony of sustaining faith to God becomes a source of encouragement and joy for the church during these times of trials. There is no greater news than to hear about the growing faith of one another. When Paul, Paul cares so much about what the Thessalonians were going through. And when, it, when Timothy came back with such a positive report, with such a raving report, you know, five-star Yelp review, the Thessalonians' faith became this fruit of joy for Paul's labor. And, and it reminds us, if we, if we look back then at chapter 2, verse 19, it reminds us of how much Paul cared for the Thessalonians when he asked, for what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory Enjoy. In Transit Church, I want to remind you that for pastoral staff, for myself, for Hanley, you are our glory and joy. More than that, remember that you are each other's glory and joy. And yet even more so, remember that you are Jesus' glory and joy. For when we reach the end of this race, there will be no one more joyful that you've reached the end than Jesus Christ, who has been praying for you since the beginning. And we get a small glimpse at Jesus' prayer. In John 17, I want to share a few verses from there as we close. John chapter 17, we see Jesus' prayer and we see a glimpse into Jesus' prayer for you. John chapter 17, verse 9 and 10. Says, I am praying for them, the disciples, the believers. I'm praying not for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. John chapter 17, verses 12 and 13. 
while I, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except for the son of destruction, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And then we jump to verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I and them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. We see here in Jesus' prayer, he prays for you, he prays for his people, he prays for his church, his body, he prays for his bride. You share in Jesus' glory and joy because you are united in Christ alone, you are one with him. And Jesus remembers you in his prayers. And he remembers you when he went to the cross to die in order to secure your faith and salvation. Ultimately, Jesus becomes your testimony. So let us not lose sight of Christ. Let us endure in our faithfulness. Let us encourage one another and rejoice with one another. Let us run this race faithfully to its end, to Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this time that we be able to gather together and experience just what joy it is that we have with one another. That Lord, we have this opportunity to just see one another's faces and to encourage one another. And Lord, I, I just pray then that as we share, as we share about our weeks, I pray, Lord, that it will just be a time where we can rejoice with one another of how we have Jesus Christ, the greatest blessing in our lives. And so, Lord, let us always point each other towards Christ, for he is our hope. He is our joy. He is our glory. And let us remember that he looks upon us and remembers us in the same way. So, Father, thank you for, for giving us such a great gift. Be with us tonight as we split up into groups. Let us continue to encourage one another in our faith. I pray all this in your name. Amen.